Up next is Point and Click Radio, the bi-weekly computer show. Well, tonight we track an internet meme back to its origin. Uh, we talk about the um, possibility that the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, may finally let ordinary citizens like you and me file their returns directly with the information that the IRS already has instead of having to go through all those third-party, quote, services. And Apple's WWDC is coming up next month. We'll have one more show before that. But I might give a little bit of uh, previews, highlights, and discuss some Apple rumors. And also, Google has some new products. So we'll be covering a whole grab bag of computer-related topics tonight here on Point and Click Radio. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Point and Click Radio. I'm Bob Lawton. My radio partner, Jim Hyde, has the night off. And we're going to talk about some computer-related issues and open up the phones because that's what we like to do. We like to hear from uh, you, our listeners, here in Mendocino County and beyond. Uh, thanks to KZYX for carrying our signal over the airwaves and for having it available live, streaming on the World Wide Web, and also on demand anytime you want at jukebox.kzyx.org. All of our programs are available at jukebox.kzyx.org, the website. Um, and a lot of them are downloadable to uh, put on your your device of choice and listen to offline or to stream. Mostly the music shows can only be streamed because of copyright uh Restrictions, but most of the public affairs shows uh, can be downloaded as MP3 files and uh, put in your shoebox to listen to whenever you want to and wherever you want to. Anyway, I'm glad to be here tonight and uh, sharing some news and stories with you. Uh, the first one I want to start out with concerns the IRS. I just came across this um, minutes before I came on the air tonight. And uh, it's such great news, I just want to just blurb it out. We might go into more detail in a later show when more details become available. Uh, this is from uh, an email newsletter from Cory Doctorow, the well-known science fiction author and internet uh, activist and dissident. Corey's headline is, the IRS will do your taxes for you if that's what you prefer. After years of expensively purchased delay, TurboTax and its fellow tax profiteers are losing the fight to make you pay them to tell the government what it already knows. Now, you may not know this, but uh, all of your uh, income and uh, tax information is already there at the IRS. When you get your W-2 form from your employer or a 1099 form from somebody you may have performed contract work for, etc., or when you get your uh, retirement payment if you have a pension, that information is simultaneously reported to the, to the U.S. government, to the Internal Revenue Service specifically. And it's already there, and they have it all, and they now have computers, and they've got actually very, very, very good computers. A lot of our tax dollars goes right into maintaining the uh, IT systems that the um, that the um, federal government uses in the IRS. Anyway, America is a world leader in allowing private companies to levy taxes on its citizens, including 
a tax on paying your taxes, basically what that is. In most of the world, the tax authorities prepare a return for each taxpayer, sending them a pre-populated form with all their details collected from all the entities involved, uh, like pension funds, commodities brokers, etc., who must report income to the tax office. If the form is correct, the taxpayer signs it and sends it back. And in some countries, the taxpayers don't even have to do that. They can just ignore the return unless they want to challenge it or amend it. No one has to use that system in these other countries. If you have complex finances or cash income that doesn't show up in mandatory reporting, or if you just prefer to pre prepare your own return or pay an accountant to do so, you certainly can. But the majority of people, those from in with income from a job or a pension and predictable deductions, say from caring for minor children, dependents, um, filing your annual return takes between zero and five minutes and costs you absolutely nothing. But not so here in America. America is one of the very few rich countries, including Canada, though this is changing, where the government won't just send you a form containing all the information it already has ready to file. As is common in complex societies, America has a complex tax code, which is further complexified by deliberate obfuscation by a lot of people, including billionaires and their uh, Congress people, who deliberately perforate the tax code with loopholes for the ultra-rich and also make it more complicated for ordinary people to deal with this. The complexity means that most of us cannot just sit down and figure out how to file our own taxes without uh, committing a lot of hours of the only day time you have to pour over the obscure maze of tax law. Why doesn't the IRS just send you a tax return already filled out since they know everything? It's because the tax preparation industry dominated by a handful of ultra profitable firms lobbies Congress to prohibit this. They are aided in this endeavor by some anti-tax obsessive who would like to see paying taxes be as difficult and painful as possible in order to raise the pain level and foment opposition to the idea of taxation itself. So the whole thing is pretty much stacked against having a smooth, friction-free system. And now in the days of computers uh, and everybody having connectivity and internet and uh, Wi-Fi most of the time in most places, um, there shouldn't be really any barriers at all to this. Um, the firm Intuit, uh, which uh, has been around for a really long time, um, they had the um, that desktop personal finance program, Quicken, that's what it was. I almost forgot the name because I haven't used it in so long. Intuit, the company that acquired Quicken, has also been taking over tax prep uh, companies such as TurboTax, which TurboTax itself gobbled up a bunch of other companies in, in a decades-long merger orgy, according to Corey Doctorow. Uh, and it's an interesting kind of an outlier company run by one of the CEOs with a cult of personality, not unlike the so many we've become, we've come to have to bear up with in this technological age. Um, but basically, this has been the, the, the spearhead of what's opposing instantaneous, free, 
tax completion for your for your annual federal taxes directly through the IRS. But anyway, um, I'm not going to go into too much more detail about this, but it's really uh, exciting news that this might be coming along. Um, I'm not sure it's ready to go, uh, and I'm not sure that it might actually go through, but it seems like there's some opposition to this, and um, we'll keep you posted. This is a good. This is good news. IRS may let um, citizens file their own taxes directly. They'll do your taxes for you and just tell you it's done. That would be great news. Um, coming up uh, in uh, next month is the Apple WWDC, the Worldwide Developers Conference. That's going to be happening uh, with a small live audience, I guess, uh, probably at the Apple Spaceship Campus down in uh, Cupertino. And then video streamed uh, around the world. Um, this is the Worldwide Developers Conference where Apple likes to concentrate on software and and preview some of the things, some of the cool things uh, and remarkable things that... Um, their software is capable of doing and kind of give previews. And of course, the rumors are, are always swirling around about what they're going to talk about, what they're going to do, what they're going to preview. And um, one thing that's interesting to me, because I'm a real fan of the Apple Watch, I find that the Apple Watch does a whole lot of things that uh, all the other computing devices that I've had in the past will do, especially uh, the smartphone, especially if you're just doing a lot of texting, taking phone calls, looking for map directions, uh, monitoring things like the weather, your heart rate, all these kinds of things. And uh, I was actually excited um, this week to finally meet somebody that was wearing one of the new big honking Apple Ultra watches. I can't remember how big it is, but it's considerably maybe maybe more than an eighth, almost a quarter of an inch wider than the larger Apple Watch, made specifically and especially for athletes and people working in um, or, or playing in really difficult conditions like uh, high-altitude mountain climbing, deep-sea diving, triathlons. Uh, it does all kinds of... Uh, high-intensity type um, tracking and things like that. But it's also just a really great watch. And the thing about the larger size is it has a larger battery and it lasts a lot longer than the not quite a whole day that my current Apple Watch, which is about three or four generations old, will do. So I'm probably going to get one of those because what I saw when I looked at the screen on this, which was just absolutely gorgeous, it was almost like a mini iPhone that you can strap to your wrist. And the the uh, the person whose watch I was looking at, their, their, um, the, their dial of choice was kind of a sporty thing, but when I picked it up and moved it around, it had a compass dial built in, right into the watch face as you would rotate around. The compass dial, you know, you would follow where north was going. And 
how how handy would that would be if you were you know traveling going to some city you've never been before and you're trying to get around and you want to know are you walking north or south or east or west and you just have it right there uh on your your watch dial would be great and the newer watches have um faces that are always on uh as opposed to the earl- earlier ones when you had to tilt your wrist up and then you could glance at the dial and it would light up they're now on all the time so you don't have to worry about the position of your wrist i guess the screen dims slightly to conserve the battery life but um this kind of feature would be really handy you wouldn't have to be constantly flipping your wrist up you can just hold your wrist uh, flat horizontally and see the compass and follow it now how great it would be to be out hiking or like I say, traveling in a city you haven't been before, trying to find where that museum or that train station or that restaurant is, walking around and, you know, losing track of where you're going. What, what a great feature. So this is, where, um, this is where digital technology is going. It's getting smaller and smaller, and now the devices that go on your wrist can have a whole lot of capability that you used to have to um, have, you know, 30 pounds of hardware on your desktop to do. You can send emails, answer phone calls, send and receive text messages. You can text pictures to people. You can actually download audiobooks and podcasts onto the watch itself and stream them directly into wireless headphones. Your, your wireless headphones of choice. They don't have to be Apple headphones. They can be any Bluetooth uh, devices. You can actually uh, just forget all the other hardware and just uh, have this working with the watch itself. Uh, and I'm happy with that. And there are other companies that make watches that have a lot of the same features. But I was just impressed with the quality and the solid feel and the, what would you call it? You can't call it acreage. <laughs> with the, uh, the screen real estate on this larger version of the Apple Watch is impressive. But it doesn't feel too big. And it certainly isn't as big as some of those clunky fashion watches that are made to look really, really big. It It doesn't look out of place on an average size rest, I, w- I would say generally, unless you, unless you have a, happen, a very, very small and slender wrist, it might look a little bulky, but for most people, it, it would just look like a watch. Anyway, that was cool. I was happy to see that. Um, but the thing that I heard on one of the um, Mac podcasts talking about the rumors for WWDC is Apple is going to start really doing some serious updating and improving to the watch interface. Uh, I won't go into too much detail, but before you used to have complications, and then if you wanted an app, you had you used to have to go digging around in that um, that sort of honeycomb array for the watch icon, the app icon that you wanted to tap on, and it was a little bit cumbersome. Um, that is the default on the watch, and a lot of people don't know that you can switch that honeycomb array into an alphabetical list, which is what I use, but that's something you have to configure on your own. It's not a it's not a default, and it's not even obvious from using the watch itself. But if you're an Apple Watch user and you hate hunting around that little honeycomb display for the tiny little icon and trying to remember which one is which, and is that the alarm or the stopwatch or the timer? I don't know. You know, you just have to kind of poke around. Uh, so they're going to make it more efficient, and they're going to start having things like widgets or uh, glance displays that you can configure. This is just a rumor, but they'll probably be talking about this 
during the Worldwide Developers Conference coming up at the beginning of next month, June. Also, the biggest uh, rumors are about, is Apple going to display what uh, rumor mongers are calling the reality headset? Um, that might be the headline event for the developers conference. And um, with all these uh, items that you can actually put on your body, one of the WAGs was saying it should be called the WWWDC for worldwide wearables developer conference because this is something you would strap on your eyes like a like ski goggles or scuba goggles and uh, it would have a reality based headset there's been lots of rumors about what this going is going to do there's been lots of rumors about what the price is going to be there's going to be lots of rumors about how many of them are going to make and how long it will take before they actually deliver it but this could be the next major shift in Apple's product strategy because so far they do not have any kind of goggle or glass type devices um, on the market yet. Their wearables are pretty much the uh, watch and the earphones. But um, it's interesting to me that the, the, the purported name is going to be Reality reality goggles, reality headset, because now we're going to have to redefine the word reality. <laughs> Usually that means what you see when you have your goggles off. But apparently these are not going to be goggles that only uh, block out the outside and show you whatever game or, or uh, other content you're looking at. Apparently it's going to be able to uh, have what's called augmented reality as well as virtual reality. Augmented reality being that you uh, have goggles with cameras showing the outside uh, the goggle view. And as you turn your head, it basically is like a video camera showing what's uh, in front of you. And also has the ability to bring up uh, an overlay superimposed on the uh, view of reality that the goggles are showing. And this is kind of intriguing to me. I would think that um, just one example that popped in my head, if you're, if you're in a museum and you can have goggles on <laughs> and walk around and look at the artwork and have uh, a simultaneous commentary playing through earbuds and text uh, scrolling or streaming that will show you more about the uh, the art you're looking at. That, would, that could be a delightful experience. And uh, especially if you're in a really crowded uh, museum and you could zoom in on the, uh, on the artwork instead of waiting for the people in front to move aside. Um, I can see all kinds of uses for this. I think it would have a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of advantages for people like architects who could take a client to an empty lot, put on the goggles and go, wow, there's your new building and landscaping. And it's all going to be right here and be able to just walk around and do real world practical uses of these kinds of technology. So I think it's uh, going to be an exciting um, a direction for Apple to go into. And knowing Apple, I'm sure that they've put billions billions of dollars into researching this and and coming up with a um, a genre defining product the the um, predicted 
rumored retail price for the first set of these goggles is supposed to be like about $3,000, apparently. Um, and uh, I don't know. I have a feeling that how whatever they price it at, the first batch is going to sell out uh, immediately because I know that a lot of people are going to be wanting this just to, to start developing for it and coming up with... Um, with possibilities but just for reference when apple came out with their very first macintosh back in oh when was that jim when was that uh, of course 1984 who can forget the famous uh tagline 1984 won't be like 1984 um apple's um macintosh sold for at the time 2500 dollars, which somebody calculated would be $7,500 in, in today's dollars adjusted for inflation. So this would mean that your uh, goggles in 1984 prices are only going to be a few hundred dollars. Um, anyway, I'm not going to run out and buy it. I'm, gonna, I'm going to look at the reviews and watch what Apple comes up with. But I'm definitely going to watch the WWDC keynote because I think there's going to be a lot of good stuff coming out. And people are predicting that the... Uh, introduction of the goggles is going to be a quote one more thing event uh so we'll see apple wwdc i don't have the dates right here in front of me but i think it's the uh first week of june so probably the uh the um keynote will be on monday the first monday in june twitter has a new ceo according to um uh, according to the Internet News, uh, her name is Linda Yaccarino. She was formerly an advertising chief at NBC Universal, and she is joining Elon Musk, the Twitter owner, and uh, she is going to be uh, transforming the platform. According to um, what the news is, she'll p focus primarily on business operations while I, Elon Musk, says uh, I will focus on product design and new technology. And he says, I'm looking forward to transforming this, looking forward to working with Linda to transform this platform, meeting Twitter, into X, the everything app. Um, everybody's wishing uh, her luck. And it doesn't seem like the CEO, she will be the CEO. It doesn't seem like the CEO is going to be in charge of running the company and have the authority that it'll take to, um, to actually run the company, especially when Musk is going to be running product design and technology. Um, Musk has largely stopped referring online to Twitter by name and is saying this platform and months ago he changed I didn't know this until I just read this article but months ago Elon Musk changed the name of the holding company in other words the parent company from Twitter Incorporated to X Corp so it's now no longer Twitter Incorporated it's a company that owns Twitter called X Corp and the fact that he largely refers to it as this platform is making people think he's going to rename it X sooner rather than later. 
people are saying it seems crazy to throw away the Twitter brand, but it could be just like what now Facebook is meta and Google is Alphabet. Those are the holding companies that own the meta in the case of Facebook and Alphabet in the case of Google own those brands. Uh, but Musk does crazy things. Throwing away the entire Twitter brand would be less crazy than his buying it in the first place. Okay. Um, I'm going to move on to another topic, and this is something I had personal experience with um, recently. Oh, and by the way, you're tuned to KZYX Philo, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Point and Click Radio, the bi-weekly computer show. Your host, Bob Lawton, here tonight. Jim Hyde uh, is away tonight. He has the night off. Um, I... Um, I did something interesting this spring. I decided to resurrect my beehive and start a um, a new bee colony. And uh, when I was doing that, a um, friend of mine who who I mentioned that to uh, sent me a picture uh, on. Uh, on message, messaged me a picture and said, um, it shows a picture of a really intricate kind of heart-shaped configuration of, of, bee, of honeycomb uh, from a beehive. And the caption that they sent on the picture was, picture of a hive that they forgot to add the frames. But the bees figured it out. So if you have a uh, a bee box and you don't put those vertical frames with the honeycomb, with the flat honeycomb sheets in it that that most beekeepers use to have the bees build the honeycomb, uh, they will just start. They'll work it out on their own. If you just have a hive of bees, like if you get a swarm of bees and put them in an empty box and put a lid on it, and they started going out and and gathering. Uh, nectar and um, pollen, they would just start building the uh, honeycomb at random. So this is actually a piece of bee artwork. And I, I was looking at it and pondering over it, and I started to wonder. I just looked at it, and I started to wonder. It really looked like a picture of bee honeycomb. It didn't look like anybody photoshopped it or enhanced it with Photoshop or anything. But that um, phrase, they forgot to add the frames. That didn't that didn't ring true. It, it you know, it sounded like an internet meme to me. And what I did, and this is one of the the um, the take homes of this little story I'm going to tell, because you can do this with anything. I had never actually done it before. I had never had a cause to try this. What what's called a reverse image search, and. Um, I downloaded the picture of the honeycomb that was sent to me to my Photos app on my iPhone, but I think you could do this on almost any device, desktop, laptop, Android phone, iPhone. In the photos, um, after I had downloaded that picture of the honeycomb, I tapped uh, on the share button, which is that um, that square shape with the arrow pointing up. That has a lot of built-in features. It's 
if you only use it to send pictures and messages, there's a whole lot of other things it can do. A lot of them aren't necessarily immediately apparent because after you see all the icons of people you can text it to or the other icons of apps you can open it in or do whatever, there's a bunch of other um, features that are in this um, share button. Um, on the iPhone, it's copy photo, add to shared album, add to album, duplicate, hide, add to a slideshow, um, send it uh, as an AirPlay to a different device like an Apple TV, add it to your wallpaper, blah, 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 blah. All the way down at the very, very bottom is this one um, command called Search with Google Lens. That's what it's called, Search with Google Lens. And I did that. I tapped on the photo, tapped on the share button, scrolled all the way down because I was sure there was something that would let me do that. And I was surprised right there at the bottom, search with Google Lens. This sends the picture to Google, then, who then uses artificial intelligence and image mapping uh, uh, software to find similar or the very picture itself. And in this case, it did find the very picture itself. And at the very top of the uh, search was a um, post from um, someone who was a folklorist. And this is what's really interesting because there, he has a whole um, a thread on Twitter. And um, you can follow this. You can look at this uh, because I posted a picture I posted this picture on the point-and-click Twitter account. I know we don't talk about that much here on the show, but if you go to point-click radio on Twitter, so it would be twitter.com slash, all one word, all lowercase, point-click radio, uh, tonight's show is previewed, and it has the post of the honeycomb picture, and it also has a retweet of this folklorist's um, uh, this folklorist's uh, story on how he was able to find uh, the, the real story behind this. Because he said in his, um, in his uh, searching for where this image came from, that the phrase, forgot to add the hives, or forgot to add the frames, I mean, uh, it, he said it set off his folklorist spidey sense which i thought was interesting and um what it is is that um the um phrase uh raised his folklorist spidey sense as he called it and he um wanted to check this out and um in his Twitter thread, he says, I'm a folklorist to trade, interested in traditions, custom tales, songs, how things are passed on. In June 2020, an artist published a tweet saying her parents are beekeepers, and they sent her this image from a fellow French beekeeper. The beekeeper had left the frame out of his hive, allowing the bees free form. Uh, on the thread, the people's comments ummed and odd about the bees and their skill and how amazing nature is. This particular post by the artist in June 2020 has had 60,000 likes and 10,000 retweets. Um, 
but uh, the folklorist Steve Burns said, I had seen this image before. Uh, my folklorist spidey senses were activated. What's going on here? To be fair, the person didn't actually say it was a friend of their parents. They could have simply sent her a copy of the image knowing she was interested in natural history. Perhaps they simply said, hey, look at this amazing honeycomb. Apparently it's from a French beekeeper. Um, so it could mean any French person. Um, and he did a Google image search, similar to what I had done. And he got lots of hits saying things like, beekeeper forgot to put the frame, beeper, beekeeper forgets the frame, from all over the world. And there seems to have been a swell in this activity around February 2020. Um, and then someone posts a link in the Twitter thread to a national trust story from the uh, British National Trust. This is uh, part of the um, uh, British, uh, it's an organization in Britain that does all kinds of things, including uh, having a site that raises bees at a location called uh, Bodiam Castle. And the National Trust posted, have you ever seen a honeycomb as beautiful as this? Now, this is the same identical picture that had been posted uh, later that this folklorist had seen. Have you ever seen a honeycomb as beautiful as this? Our bees at Bodum Castle NT have certainly been busy making delicious honey for our shops. So he contacted the National Trust and said, you know, can you, do you have any other pictures of this? I'm curious about this. How is it that you have this picture? And you're implying that it was made by your bees. Well, it didn't actually say that their bees made it, but it was kind of slanted that way. And then somebody else uh, posted, I'm skeptical. Note how all of this so-called natural comb is about the same length. How come there's only one picture? I'd like to see pictures of the hive uh, at, at different angles and so forth. And it turns out that this went on for a while. And then the folklorist says, then we met Brian Fanner. Now, it turns out Brian Fanner is a beekeeper in Africa who replied to the um, post by, made by the British National Trust saying, I made this. And it turns out um, that he made this little artwork uh, and it was manipulation. So it wasn't that somebody forgot to put the frames in the hive, which was what set off the folklorist's radar. It was the fact that this beekeeper in, in Africa, um, let's see, I think he's in Kenya. I'm not sure what country he's in. I seem to have lost track of that. But... Um, he uh, claimed authorship of this uh, B artwork, and he said that um, he sent the folklorist a picture of a wooden board with a heart-shaped opening routed in the board and a couple of little curly cues. And he said, I made this up, and I put the wax foundation, that's the flat beeswax uh, with the hexagon bee cells that you put in a frame to actually start a new new frame of bees. He put the wax foundation in the grooves 
uh, fixed it in with melted beeswax and put it in a hive. And so it gave the bees a, um, a base to start, start working on this. So, and this was back in, um, 2010, I believe. So this whole image has been circulating, circulating around the web and other places, gathering, you know, gathering momentum, gathering all kinds of internet cruft. And I thought it was really an amazing story because when my friend sent me that picture, it started kind of nagging at me in a way like I really, there was no other information. I really want to find out where this came from. And I, I was just delighted to find all this information. Again, this picture is on the point and click Twitter page, uh, point click radio. If you go to Twitter and search for point click radio, that'll take you to our Twitter feed. Most, mostly kind of inactive these days, but, um, Underneath the picture is a link to the thread that this folklorist wrote. But the, the whole point, reason I'm telling the story is, A, it's a good story. I really had a good time uh, chasing all this stuff down. And B, this is just an example of how you can use the power of the devices you have to take a photograph that you might have some question about or want to find more inf information about or just simply have some curiosity about and and look for results from Google or any other web search service that will let you search for images by submitting an image and then follow up on the links because there was a whole bunch of, of links including uh, because of the configuration of this uh, of this honeycomb links to brain coral which is coral that kind of looks like the the lobules in your in, in a brain uh, a human or an animal brain but it's it's kind of golden color generally and so it has a strong resemblance to honeycomb so in all the google um image search re results there were pictures of honeycomb uh other pictures of beecomb that was similar pictures of uh brain coral uh, pictures of um, uh, microscopic animals with a resemblance to that, uh, all kinds of uh, similar underwater features and so forth. But the top result, because it matched identically, was that picture of the heart-shaped honeycomb with all the um, little amendments that the bees had made. So... Um, you might find this a really good resource for for doing. I, it's not something I had ever had a real uh, occasion to do, but um, it was fun to try this to submit the picture, get the results, and and see what uh, see what it was all about. So that's my story. And um, this is Point and Click Radio on KZYX and KZYZ. I'm Bob Lawton. I'm your host tonight. Uh, my radio partner Jim Hyde uh, is away, and. Um, we take call-ins on the show. It's a call-in show. If you have any questions, comments, if you've called in previous shows looking for advice or suggestions or our opinions about things and want to follow up and talk about anything that's anything good that's happened in your computer life these days, give us a call uh, at 707-895-2448. That's the phone number here uh, in the studio. And I'm coming to you live from the Ukiah studio uh, on KZYX. And we've got a call coming in, so let's go to the phones. Hi, you're on the air. 
Hi, Bob. It's Johanna. I tried to find that search with Google Lens on my iPhone, and I'm not finding it. Does Do you have to have something like Google Lens installed as an app? For no, 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 no. I don't believe that you do. Now, I'm not 100% sure. Um, if you go into your Photos album mm -hmm. and uh, pick up an individual, you know, take an individual photo so it fills up the whole screen... Right. Down at the bottom on the left side should be that share button. It looks like a little square box with slightly rounded off corners and an arrow pointing up, like upload, you know? Yes. You mm -hmm. tap on that button, and then mm -hmm. at the very top is usually the um, your most uh, frequent messages that you've received or sent, and then a row of apps that you could open it in typically, like, uh -huh. like if you wanted to email, and then right below that is something like copy the photo and then you should be able to swipe up that list until you get to the very bottom and on yeah. on mine anyway at the very bottom it was um um search with google lens now right above that is save to dropbox so if you didn't have dropbox installed you probably wouldn't have that Oh, and you know what? Right. I, I'm seeing some other items here. I won't say what they are, but they're, they're things that I would have installed or software that's specific to this instance. Um, oh, and here's another one called Create Watch Face. Well, if you didn't have the Apple Watch installed, uh, you probably wouldn't get that one, I don't think. So it's possible Search with Google Lens is an option that, that wouldn't automatically be there. Um, yeah, because I see create watch face, I, I save to files, assign to contact. The last one at the bottom of the list is add to new quick note, and that's it. Okay, well, I don't have that, so I don't have quick note, I guess. <laughs> but I do have, pr I have print. Um, okay, so that might be an optional one. Uh, but I think in your case, and anybody else listening that doesn't have this, um, I would just do a Google search for how do I install search with Google Lens? You know, it might okay. it might yeah. be that that Google app is an optional thing now, and you might actually need to install the Google app on the phone. It could okay. it could be it loads if you don't have the Google app itself installed, it might not. In other words, you could be doing all your Google searches on your phone through the Safari browser, say, or something like that, just by going to the Google website. And it may actually require the Google app to be downloaded from the App Store and installed. So that's that's a good point, Johanna. I'm really glad you called, and I'm <laughs> I have a little bit of egg on okay. my face, face here from, uh, from. Well, I thought maybe others might have the same issue. So, I, and and I really want to know how to how to get that. So, so I will do some searching. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, thank you for you thank you for doing that uh, and and checking it out. I'm glad to hear from you. You have another call coming in? No, I don't. You want to talk some more? What's oh, new? Yeah, can I just take a second to announce my program tomorrow? Oh, I love it when you do that. Yes, I wish more programmers. <laughs> okay. Sometimes Jamie calls in and promotes his program, too, and it's uh, it's nice to... Uh, I enjoyed the other program that you promoted um, a couple weeks ago. Go ahead. 
Oh, great. I'm so glad. Yes, tomorrow on Wild Oak Living at 9 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to have um, at least two topics, possibly three. I'm still waiting to hear back from one more person. But the first one is going to be an interview with the makers of a film called Elemental, which invites us to reimagine our relationship with wildfires. Um, and the film is currently touring us through the U.S., and there'll be a showing of that film on the 20th of May in Point Arena. So I want to help get the word out about that film and about the showing. And then I'm going to talk with David Burton and Alyssa, uh, Alyssa Boge, uh from the uh, Grace Hudson Museum in Ukiah, and they are opening a new exhibit on May 19th um, about the Back to the Land movement. So uh, in in the 70s, so a lot of people, you know, who are involved in that, were involved in that, uh, might be interested in that, and the rest of us can find out what happened back then and about the exhibit. So that's all happening tomorrow Oh yeah. At, um, on Wild Oak Living. I'm hoping to also have the presenter of a workshop about hardening your home for wildfires that's happening on May 25th at the Civic Center in Ukiah, but I'm, I'm waiting for a last-minute com- confirmation on that. So, yeah. Wildfire and back to the land hey, tomorrow you, on Wild Oak Living. You know what, mm-hmm. uh, Johanna, as long as you're talking about wildfires, this is not computer-related. I've heard of people whose homeowner's insurance have gone up astronomically, like four times what they were paying the year before. Uh, well, I would, I, would, I would almost say, uh, this is going to sound really harsh, but if your homeowner's insurance has just gone up, you might consider yourself lucky because... A lot of people around here have had their insurance canceled. Okay. And I've also heard that if you buy a new house, a lot of times you cannot get insurance. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, and there is a program. There is a program with the state, but it's very, very expensive, and it covers very little. Um, Yeah, that is a huge issue. And I'm actually going to do a more detailed program about that and many other questions related to wildfire and home safety during wildfires. On either June 1st or June 15th, I'm going to do a whole hour uh, about that t- and many other topics related to wildfire. So um, maybe I'll call in on, on your next program to announce that when that program is happening. That would well. be great. And send me an email, too, if you have some information on that. Um, you know, it, it almost seems like we've dodged a bullet for this season with all the extra heavy rains that we've had and everything. But the problem is not going away. It's not going away. It's not going away and, you know, not to rain on any parades, but the fact that we've had a lot of winter rains also means a lot of spring growth. Yes. So if we still, if we still do have a hot summer, then we've got a lot of vegetation that's going to dry up. So that topic is not going away and we all need to keep paying attention to it. And you're right. The extra rains, which has brought us a really, really, really lush spring, um, could mean more fuel and, and more, more hazardous conditions. So, I think that's yeah. one of the things that uh, KZYX is, is really good at staying on top of and um, informing our listeners. And um, you know what? As long as you're on here, I've been wanting to promote the uh, upcoming uh, Spring Pledge Drive, which is yeah. st- starting Friday, right? I think yes. it's starting Friday, and I want to encourage all of our listeners, and you can encourage our listeners, too, to... Uh, to uh, help support the station because we really could use uh, some support to keep the station growing. Yes, and you know the, the theme this year, this for this pledge drive is is live and local, uh, and that's 
that's the great and magical thing about KZYX as a community radio station. There's always somebody who's monitoring what's happening and who can get on the microphone on the, at a moment's notice uh, to let us know what's going on and to give us information if there's a fire happening, if there's an earthquake, if there's a blood, flood, if there's a weathery wind, you know, all of those things. A live local community radio station makes all the difference, and that's why it's so important to support KZYX. Absolutely. And, you know, you don't have... You don't have to wait until Friday to start. You can just go right now to KZOX.org and click on the red donate button. That's it. There you go. Um, okay. Well, uh, and, and also all the great information that Bob and, and Jim have brought us over the years. I mean, that's worth supporting as well. I hope so. <laughs> that's why I still keep coming. <laughs> I still keep coming and, and doing this show. Um, because I, I really love being part of this, uh, this whole, uh, you know, the momentum and the energy that keeps the station uh, vital. I mean, you were talking about those up-to-date uh, instant announcements of, of conditions. If you think about the types of radio that's prevalent now, they're owned by uh, corporations or, or uh, hedge funds or private equity funds, you know, and they are basically streaming a, a, a show that's out of Toledo or something like that to a local transmitter and it has nothing to do with the community. And that's happening to a lot of, um, a lot of small town newspapers too. They're getting bought up by, uh, by uh, money funds and uh, having their, their staff slashed and, you know, they're just, they're just acquiring the, the. Um, yeah. And, and, and try, just try calling one of those, you know, one of those radio stations, nobody's going to pick up the phone because they're all co- programmed by a computer. I mean, several times in the past few years, I've driven by somewhere and either I saw, you know, an accident or a traffic jam or something like that. I pick up the, my cell phone, I call the station, and a few minutes later, the information is out on the air. Yes. And that's, that's amazing. That's what makes community radio so magical and so useful. It really and is. And so essential. Yeah. Thanks, Johanna. Have a good show tomorrow. You're oh, welcome. and and um, just in case people aren't able to tune in, you mentioned the uh, Sunhouse is starting an exhibit on the nineteenth, right? What was the event on the twentieth? Yes. And the event on the twentieth. Uh, the event on the twentieth is is a showing of the film Elemental, which is about uh, a new relationship with wildfires, and that's showing in Point Arena on the twentieth. In Point Arena, so that's all coming up. Your show's yeah. tomorrow. Yep. Friday is the Sunhouse, and tw- uh, Saturday is the film. All right. And the presentation about wildfire safety at the Civic Center in Ukiah is on the 25th, 25th. in the evening. Oh, great. Okay, the mm-hmm. 25th is a Thursday. That's a week from tomorrow. Okay. Thanks a lot, Johanna, great. and good luck finding that uh, Google Lens. I think if you just download the, the Google app, if you don't have it, uh, it should populate that list. And you know, I need to I need to do a little more homework. I need to find out what populates that list. I just assumed that it would be there for everybody, but then as I started inspecting it, I realized some of the things in that list are patched in by apps I've added to my iPhone. So, right there right. we go. Okay. okay. All thank, right. Thank th- you, Bob. Thanks for the mm-hmm. call, Johanna. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Eight nine five two four four eight. That's area code seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. If you would like to give us a call and check in with Point and Click Radio, we'll be back in two weeks on the thirty first of May. This is a three show month for Point and Click, 
and uh, Jim should be back uh, in two weeks, and we will pick up where we left off from last show, which was back on way back on May third. Yes, May third. Um, anyway, the um, Apple Worldwide Developers Conference is coming up, and Google just had their Google I/O I slash O, meaning input output. And apparently they released uh, some brand new Google Pixel phones, including a foldable foldable phone, uh, which I haven't had a chance to check out. But if you're a Google Android type person, you probably uh, would find out a lot if you just Google Pixel foldable phone. And uh, it should have all kinds of information about those. Uh, I'll probably have some more information about Google I.O., I don't follow the Google I.O. rumors as closely as I follow the Apple rumors. I find them um, a little less interesting and Apple's products to be a little more well-established and and uh, uh, just just potentially interesting. They, um, there's talk that Apple... Well, um, there was a lot of excitement in the computer industry when Apple came out with what uh, became known as Apple Silicon in their Macintosh line of computers. They had been uh, having their own chips fabricated for the iPhones and the iPads and the iPod Touches for um, for quite a long time. Uh, they originally started out with what were called ARM or ARM processors, uh, which were designed by another company, uh, but then Apple started developing their own uh, microprocessor chips for the iPhone and the iPad. And a couple of years ago, they uh, they came out uh, with their own design chips for the Macintosh line of desktop and laptop computers. That would be the um, PowerBooks, the iMacs, and the Mac Pro. And... Um, all of that entire line of Apple computer type products, the Macintosh, uh, have been converted over to the Apple Silicon and that uh, process has been going on for a little more than two years. They started out with the M1 generation and now they have the M2 generation. And um, the only one they haven't released uh, with Apple Silicon is the top of the line. Mac Pro, which um, comes with um, Intel processors still. They were using Intel processors from around, uh, I think, 2007 is when they switched um, from the uh, Motorola processors they had been using to Intel, Intel only. And... Um, They've switched over completely to the all, all their lines of uh, Macintosh computers. Um, but there's talk that they're really going to start. Um, so so what's happened over the two years is it's kind of like, uh, you know, all the news hounds and rumor junkies are going, oh, okay, well, you're all switched over. What have you done for us lately? Because basically the computer stayed the same. It's just a lot faster, a lot lighter, and has longer battery life in the case of... Um, portables but apparently there's going to be a whole lot of changes coming and we'll find out more about that um, 
when the WWC comes along, uh, which will be happening in June. We're out of time, folks. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Happy computing. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.